Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet Following the truth wherever it leads Exposing evil and corruption And the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality Coming to you from the Great White North And his studio beneath the stairs Here's Richard one of the things that uh, Coast to Coast AM host George Norrie and I have in common is a deep appreciation for the uh, 1976 film Network, written by a real pioneer, Paddy Chayefsky, uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, starring, of course, the late Peter Finch, uh, who plays the mad prophet of the airwaves, Howard Beale. And, of course, his immortal line in the movie, I'm as mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. It's right up there among the most memorable lines in film history. And Mad as Hell happens to be the title of George Norrie's seventh book. The host of the nationally syndicated program Coast to Coast AM is broadcast to more than 600 radio stations, streamed over the Internet to millions of people every night. And he joins us live from Los Angeles, where he's preparing to host Coast to Coast AM in just about 30 minutes' time. George Norrie, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, my partner and friend, it's great to be on your show. I'm excited about this. Well, congratulations on Mad as Hell, but i got to ask you, you're such an affable person. It's hard. I mean, I've, I've heard you on the air a few times get angry, but not like seething mad. You're not like Howard Beale kind of raging, you know, at the, uh, at the world. What, what caused you to want to, you know, to speak out and, and sort of exercise your anger in this book? I want people to wake up, Richard. It, it's, it's time that people stop and just realize that this planet, this country, the United States especially, is an amazing country, just amazing, with our Canadian brothers, of course, to the north. But it's time that people start fighting for their rights and stop this nonsense that seems to be permeating all over the place. Uh, I'm embarrassed. You know, the... The constituents voted for Donald Trump. He's our elected president. He needs to do presidential things. 
I'm as mad as hell when I see what he's doing with his tweets and all this other stuff and this wrestling bout he did with CNN, this little video yes. punching out a, somebody, and they put the, they blocked the CNN thing on the guy's face to make it look like he's fighting CNN. It, it comes a time where you got to say enough is enough. We're going through some very difficult times on this planet and in this country, and we need to fix these things. Let's stop playing games. And that's one of the reasons I decided to write the book, Mad as Hell. Well, you, you talk about how you know America today is not the America that you grew up in and, or that your parents and grandparents grew up in. And they were your father, for example, part of what they called the greatest generation. And my father, too, served in the Second World War. Um, but you, we were talking earlier about uh, about fake news and the Project Veritas uh, videos and CNN and so forth. Now you, you were what the youngest program director at a radio station. I think you were like twelve or something. <laughs> was, but, youngest news director in a major market. Yes, twenty eight years old. Uh, I had left Detroit where I was the executive news producer, and uh, made my way to Minnesota, Minneapolis where a television station hired me to try to fix their alien news department. Hmm. And, you know, and I, I've, been, I've been a news person, Richard, really all my life. The talk radio stuff, we can get into that, came later. But, you know, that's what I am. I'm Emmy Award-winning news person. Exactly. You know, I know production. I know television news. And, uh, you know, I've done it... Uh, really since I was 19 years old. So what's changed, George? How did we get to where we're at now? Is it, is it uh, you know, the, the, the business model broke, and so they started hiring young people who really don't know their history? What happened? Money has changed. Uh, look at newspapers, for example, where we really used to have budgets for hard-lined news reporters who would do investigative work, and the newspaper would spend the money to turn them loose to do that not only nationally, but locally, in, in little cities all over the country. Uh, newspapers would devote time in that market to let their reporters do some real solid journalism. They don't have money to do that anymore. The Internet has killed the budgets of newspapers. Um, I'm surprised we still have newspapers, you know, and who knows what's going to happen in the next five years. But money has been a major factor. Technology has affected it. And what has happened now is... They've hired well-intentioned young people out of school and out of college, throwing them into situations where they don't have the kind of experience they need. And consequently, they run with these stories. I mean, uh, when I was 19 and 20 years old working on stuff in Detroit, I was told you check, double-check, triple-check these stories before you put them on the air, even, even if they were fires in a, in a house. You know, you just didn't run with the first thing that you were told. And I think what's happening today is some of these young, well-intentioned reporters uh, are jumping on and, you know, they're going with stories, they're not checking the facts, and they're getting caught. And consequently, you know, a lot of people call it fake news. There's a difference between inaccurate reporting and fake news. Fake news, of course, is just simply making up a story putting it on social network and seeing how far it can go. That happens, and that's dangerous, too. But by and large, uh, you know, the budgets have been slashed, and so we don't have the hard-hitting, well-paid reporters anymore. So we have to rely on inexperience. And with an inexperienced people, you're going to get mistakes.
Uh, talk to me about the the erosion of of faith that people today seem to have, not only in an institution like the Fourth Estate, but you, you look at the uh, the the, uh, the lack of of support for Congress. I think it's around eleven or twelve percent. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, I mean, are is, does this frighten you, or is this a, this distrust for our institutions? I mean, is this an unhealthy thing, or is it a healthy thing? Well, it's it's a healthy thing. I think you have to distrust. You have to. You cannot accept everything with a grain of salt. You have to question, and you have to look at everything. What has happened now, and you know, the reason why Donald Trump got elected president was one, Hillary Clinton ran a lousy campaign, but two. People were fed up with politicians, and he's not a politician. He's a businessman, and they wanted change. They wanted something different. Well, they sure did get something different, but that was that was the reason why he got elected. People wanted something different, and I think that shows in the popularity, the lack of popularity in Congress right now. You and I both delve into to conspiracies. It's an interesting field, and I, I think you know we'd be in agreement that saying that everything is a conspiracy is about as useful as saying that nothing is a conspiracy. Uh, but one of the things I find that happens is people have a genuine uh, concern, something that there's some evidence out there for. Let's say, for example, weather modification and chemtrails. Uh, and we can't have a healthy discussion about something like chemtrail spraying because the moment you do, you get shouted down as a conspiracy theorist. I know you write about weather modification in, in, in Mad as Hell. You touch on it. What, what, are your, what are your personal thoughts? I don't think I've ever heard you weigh in. I haven't heard you uh, talk about your belief in chemtrails. Are they real? Something's happening. I mean, I wish we could have pilots go public and tell us, hey, you know what, I picked up a load of this chemical, and I'm spraying it, and I'm spraying it either to modify the weather or dumb people down or doing whatever it's supposed to do. But I don't think it's just jet you know, fumes coming and emitting from planes that are flying every day. I mean, there are some days you will look up, the sky is clear, and then in uh, two or three hours you've got these tic-tac-toe patterns all over the place. And if it was just coming from jet you know, trails... Those planes fly every day the same pattern. You'd get that every day, and we're not. We're not getting that. It'd be Something's nice. going on. Yeah, it'd be nice to have an honest discussion about it, and, and I think there's a Pulitzer Prize waiting for somebody out there who wants to do a real investigative, hard-hitting piece on it. George, stay with us. George Norrie, Mad as Hell, his seventh book, and he's uh, getting ready to host Coast to Coast again tonight. We'll talk about what's in store for the uh, listeners on Coast to Coast as well. Stay with us. University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I call it the miracle molecule, carbon-60 or C60, for my good friends at C60Evo.com. And I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. It's a remedy that works. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. This alone is worth the cost of the bottle. 
I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58, and I don't have a gray hair on my head. Get your miracle in a bottle. C60 from c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save an additional 10%. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And uh, George Norrie is with us from Coast to Coast AM, his seventh book, Mad as Hell. And it's a far-reaching uh, book. It, he touches on UFOs and asteroids and EMPs and the paranormal. And uh, the thing is, he, what George, I think, prides himself on is just laying out the facts as he knows them and allowing listeners, or in this case, the readers, uh, to decide for themselves. I want to talk to you about... Uh, something I know that um, has you exercised and has for a number of years, and that is uh, the United States' lack of uh, preparation for an EMP, whether it's a, a nuclear device uh, exploded in the, uh, the low atmosphere or a solar flare, uh, that by some estimates an EMP could knock out the U.S. power grid system uh, for years and years and years. You could be looking at 90% fatality rate within one year. Any progress on that, uh, uh, George? Richard, they, they are. They're making some progress. They're taking baby steps, but there, uh, there is legislation that's being worked on that could insulate our power grid. This is something over the last three or four years we have been pushing heavily on coast to coast, uh, thanks in part by uh, two people, uh, William Forstjen and uh, F. Uh, Michael Malouf, who have written books on EMP attacks or solar flares from the sun. Uh, what a lot of people may not know is back in the 1800s, it's called the Carrington event, mm -hmm. the sun unleashed a massive X-flare. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have a lot of electronics going on at those in, at that time period. We did have the telegraph system, right. and it cooked it. It shut it down. Uh, an EMP attack, of course, is when a nation detonates a nuke high atop the atmosphere. And so there's no physical structural damage and there's no immediate deaths because of the bomb, but what it does is the electromagnetic pulse from the bomb shuts down your electrical power grid. And with that gone, just think of all the services that will go belly up. Everything goes. Your ATMs don't work. Your computers don't work. Everything goes crazy. And, you know, we have been pounding away at both of these issues, solar flares and EMPs, to get the power grid insulated in case one of these events happen, because our country is at risk, severe risk, if that happens. Just remember years ago when Canada had a power outage. It was a disaster for that portion of Canada. Right, and, right. You know, that was just a, a contained region. What would happen if the entire country went down for a year? They are estimating, as you mentioned, that 90% of the population that is hit by an EMP or solar flare that shuts out the power grid will die because of the lack of social services and services that you could not get. And yet, uh, up until recently, I didn't see anything. Um, I think it was on Fox News. I think Tuck Tucker Carlson did an interview with somebody on the uh, EMP threat, and he 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 looked absolutely slack-jawed, like he'd never heard this before. Something that such represents such an existential threat to Western civilization. You would think they would be all over this. You would think so. And, you know, maybe one day 
will be vindicated when a legislator gets something passed and uh, says, you know what, I want to thank Coast to Coast for doing this and pushing this because I wasn't aware of it until they told us about it, and uh, and we get this thing done. But it's it's critical. I mean, we are so tied into electricity now and the grid. Everything we do relies on it. I don't understand for several billion dollars, that's all it would take to fix the grid, why companies that exist on the Internet, like Amazon and Microsoft and people like that who make their money strictly because of the existence of the Internet, aren't spending money to help do this, because when that goes, their business is toast. Speaking of technology, I want to get your take on on something that I I, I believe is also an existential threat uh, to our economy and our way of life, and that has to do with things like artificial intelligence. They're talking about driverless cars. There's like something like 5 million Americans make their living driving a truck, Uh, and we already have seen such, you know, woeful uh, labor participation rates, this is going to have a a devastating effect on the workforce, and yet nobody seems to be talking about it, at least, you know, in in Washington or or here in Ottawa. It would be horrible, and first of all, I'm not getting in a car with with no driver, let me tell you. Uh, I enjoy driving. Uh, There are a lot of bad drivers wherever I go, but it's it's better than having uh, a car with no driver. And what happens if something technologically goes wrong with that car? Somebody hacks into it or something like that happens. And, you know, you're stuck in the back seat and there's nobody in the front driving it. You're up a creek. You're, you know, it's history for you. I am not getting in a car without a driver. Not going to happen. The other uh the other um, issue I think that uh, is not being discussed, it's certainly discussed on, on Coast to Coast and, and programs like this, and that is the whole transhumanist uh, movement. And this is another thing that's uh, very worrying to me. It's this attitude from the scientific community that just because we can, we should, and we will. Uh, and the idea of, of uh, messing around with what it means to be human, uh, quite frankly, it scares me to death. How about you? Mixing animal parts and human parts and having uh, three people make a baby genetically, all that uh, is playing around with Mother Nature, and it's very, very dangerous. You know, if God wanted us to be able to do all these things, we would have been born that way, and we're not. And I just don't get why they are experimenting with things like that, making uh, chimeras uh, half, half human, half animal. It's an abomination as far as I'm concerned, Richard, and... If they don't stop, I think something devastating is going to happen. I know tonight on uh, Coast to Coast, you're going to be talking uh, with someone who's uh, talking about resurrecting the woolly mammoth. What do you What do you feel about that? How do you, is that messing with nature, or is that something that we should try and do? Cloning. Yeah, you know, you have to decide if cloning is is well worth doing. Um, if it's done, I'm not opposed to cloning if it's pure and natural. Um, I, I don't like mixing breeds and, you know, mixing people and things like that. But uh, I'm really not that opposed to the cloning of, uh, of a species that might have gone extinct as long as it's, it's, it's pure. The problem is, is I think when you clone, you have to use an egg of a species of today, whether it's a frog egg or whatever, 
in order to generate that other species. So that could be dangerous, too. Right. I mean, it, it may look like a woolly mammoth, but I suppose genetically it wouldn't be a true woolly mammoth. Still, it, it might, would be cool. It might be an elephant with hair. Right. You know? <laughs> Still, it would be cool to see woolly mammoths traipsing across the Great Plains once again. George Norrie well, is with let's us. Let's call it Jurassic Park. Exactly. Mad as Hell, his uh, seventh book. And... Um, uh, I want you spend a lot of time, obviously, talking about UFOs because that's a, a huge subject area that's covered on coast to coast. Now, as someone who has, you know, toiled uh, in the uh, the vineyards as a journalist for many years, and I'm, I'm guessing you still have many, many colleagues who are journalists. What do you say to them if the conversation ever comes up about the way the mainstream media covers the whole UFO ET issue? We talk about that a lot, and. Uh, the mainstream media years ago did handle this a little more diplomatically and a little more seriously. It does not anymore. Uh, over the past five, ten years, it's almost being done with ridicule, ha-ha. Uh, and one of the reasons for that, Richard, is we really don't have the hard evidence, the hard proof of uh, ETs or visitations. Sure, we have great witness testimony, uh, but and the governments may possess something, a craft that crashed or something. But in terms of hard evidence that the public can see and feel and touch, we don't have that. And so it's very difficult to convince people, media-wise or anybody else, hey, this is a real situation. It's, it's really happening. Our approach on Coast to Coast is that we present the story, let people make up their own mind. It's a vast universe. I don't think we're alone in the universe. The big question is, have they been able to come here? And if you look at some of the work of the late Zechariah Sitchin, where he believes that uh, extraterrestrials came here, seeded us, you know, they basically became the initial gods uh, because they wanted worker bees, and that was what they created us for. But it's pretty compelling, and it's fascinating, and it's well worth listening to other people talk about this. But we need some more hard evidence. You, you don't, uh, you know, talk about your your faith, and I'm not going to try to pin you down here. But I'm wondering if you're ever conflicted by uh, topics that come up on the on the program because maybe they don't square with with your your personal faith. Maybe something to do with the paranormal, or uh, you know, maybe. Maybe it has to do with UFOs and ETs. For example, you know, if if there's a if there's a god, uh, what does that say about UFOs and the existence of life on other planets when we're supposed to be unique in the universe? Never conflicted. I'll have people on the show that uh, share my views. I'll have people on my show that don't share my views. Very rarely will you get my dictatorial presence of of how I feel about something. I'm not going to ram it down your throat. I want you to decide. So when we talk about life after death, which is going to be a segment on Coast to Coast tonight, um, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you, you know, there is life after death or there isn't life after death. It's the same with the flu vaccine. I'm not going to tell you to get the shot or not get the shot. I will tell you what I do. I don't get the shot, and I haven't had the flu in God knows how long. But you decide what you want to do for yourself. And that's what we do with just about every topic on coast to coast. I'm not going to tell you there's a God. I'm not going to tell you there isn't a God. You decide when you hear from our different guests who talk about this in different ways. The vaccine issue is such a, a 
touchy area. I mean, it's one of those things that you can get yourself taken off a Christmas card list if you're, you know, you're talking to the wrong people about it. Um, again, going back to your, you know, your colleagues in, in the mainstream media, uh, if that topic ever comes up, I mean, do you ever, do you ever feel like you're, you're being maybe chastised because of some of the topics that you broach, like vaccines? Because according to them, the science is in on vaccines, right? They're safe and they're effective. Well, then we bring out scientists who talk about the possibility of uh, autism and other uh, afflictions caused by multiple vaccines. And then all of a sudden, those people who are skeptical, um, they don't have much room to jump. And uh, they they become defensive. Um, so, you know, I will just present the views. People can make up their own mind, like climate change. You can't win the argument, no. but what you can do is point out to people, hey, this planet has had higher CO2 levels during the dinosaur era. We didn't have factories then, and when you start talking in terms of that, it's hard for them to answer it. George, you know, thank God for, for programs like Coast to Coast because there aren't many spaces left where you can have these kind of conversations anymore because everyone else is just operating in their own echo chamber. Uh, George. Absolutely, Richard. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we are what you do, what I do. It's uh, very rare, and we have to keep doing it. We have to carry the torch because eventually it's going to pay off for everybody. Well, you've got a show to do, my friend. Uh, yes, sir. In the meantime, congratulations on Mad as Hell, your seventh book, and uh, we'll listen to you on Coast to Coast in mere moments. And in time, we'll listen to you again, filling in for me. End of the month. Thank you, George. Thanks, Always a pleasure. Bye-bye. George Norrie. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.